that's one of those cases you kind of have to wave wave the flag and say, okay, time time out. You know, we, we really <laughs> need to take a step back and and look at this process. You know, because we've been in very similar situations where where you come in and and they've just customized the heck out of something you know to try to make it work for them and and sometimes what what ends up happening too is you, you leave kind of the standard functionality by the wayside and yeah. there's things in there that you really should have or could have left growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing this approach needs alignment among people processes and technologies So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. While you might feel that most distribution businesses might be alike, it's not the case. It's especially tricky in industries such as oil and gas due to their compliance requirements and unique quality processes. These companies also go through specific ISO processes that are different from other industries and require you to have unique process arrangements in place to be able to meet them. Finally, each large oil and gas OEM may have its standards for the certificate of conformance. In today's episode, our guest David Dozer shares his insights into the business process nuances for oil and gas suppliers. He also provides his insights into their compliance needs and why it is necessary to ERPIs the business processes before implementing an ERP. Finally, he discussed issues such as why it is important to select the right size ERP and how issues such as lot number traceability and 3PL may require aligning your physical and digital processes. Let me introduce David to you. David Dozer is the president of Blaze IT a reseller and implementer of Acumatica Cloud ERP. He has worked in the ERP space for almost 20 years and specializes in helping manufacturing companies optimize and streamline operations. Blaze IT was named one of CIO Review's top ERP resellers of 2021 and recently David was granted membership to the Forbes Technology Council. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning. And I'm super excited to have you because the kind of insights and the work that you are doing in the oil and gas space, from the ERP perspective, it's a very unique industry in my experience. And, you know, anybody who is working in that industry requires a lot of subject matter. So it's going to be so exciting to dig into all of that. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus? 
Excellent. Well, again, great to be here and really looking forward to today. So I've, I've been in the um, ERP business for going on about 20 years now, um, yeah. give, give or take. And currently, um, I'm the president at Blaze IT, and we're a um, reseller of Acumatica ERP solutions. Um, worked with a lot of different solutions over the years and a lot of different verticals, but re- recently have become very focused um, in kind of the oil and gas supplier market in that space and um, got a lot of experience in that industry and, and help Helping folks, you know, transition to ERP and and getting the most um, getting the most out of that. So again, very excited and um, looking forward to the conversation today. Very cool. It's going to be so much fun to dig into all of those stories and the business models. But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest, and that is going to be David, your perspective on business growth. So, so growth in in general, really, um, you know, obviously, you can take a lot of different terms with that. Revenue is the first thing that it comes into mind. But when yeah. I'm talking, really getting into, especially in our industry, um, and and growth from that perspective, it's really about um, penetrating different markets. Sometimes finding alternate uses for your products. And those sort of things really ultimately lead to more revenue growth, more dollars, um, a better bottom line. Um, but I think the focus really needs to be more product mix, blend type of focus. How can we engineer differently and and better and more efficiently? Yeah. Um, and and that's really when I think about growth and expanding a business, that's really the the key areas to to look at. And then the the dollars follow. You know, yeah. when you're doing the the right things on the front end. Yeah, doing right things is definitely the key. And obviously, that needs to be the mindset that everybody needs to follow. And then the dollars are going to follow. So I completely agree with that assessment. Now, let's dig into the the oil and gas market. And I am going to give you a little background. Okay, so we did one episode with one of the, you know, lady who actually led some large implementations in the oil and gas market. My understanding is going to be that you do a lot of work in the SMB market. And there are always differences in the large market versus the SMB market. So the way she described the oil and gas market, how it is structured overall from the industry perspective is you have three tiers, okay? So one is Mm -hmm. going to be your, you know, shells of the world, the large, uh, you know, oil companies that are owning oil well, et cetera. Then you have the sort of the mid-tier, the tier two. They do the a little bit of manufacturing, but then they do the distribution as well. And then you have the third tier, which is the uh, your the retail shops. I think those are more of the gas stations and the companies that are running the the, the gas stations. So I don't know mm-hmm. the, the work you are doing. Are these companies aligned with these tier one, tier two, tier three? Are they sort of adjacent to this? So how would you describe the companies that you are working with and what is their business model? So yeah, the companies we really do the most work with are in that SMB space, as you mentioned. Yeah. And I'd say they're they're sort of in some ways adjacent to to those three tiers that you just described, yeah. and that most of our customers are manufacturing and they're supplying a lot of times folks that are in that kind of tier two space um, that are then ultimately supplying products to um, the big big oil and gas manufacturers. So, you know, just as an example, um, one of our customers makes, um, you know, a a little tiny bracket, basically, that's then they, they, you know, they engineer it, they fabricate it, um, they do the distribution for it. And then that's actually then used in other downhole 
applications, you know, specifically out, out in the field, um, you know, and, and kind of different downhole solutions. So most of our clients are supplying that kind of middle tier. And a lot of times they're supplying the, the folks that are actually, you know, out doing the drilling and getting the, the oil, um, not necessarily at a refinery level, but we're working with the suppliers that work with the suppliers that yeah. build the equipment that uh, that's being used out out in the field. Okay, very interesting. So we are going to obviously there are a lot of different layers to this conversation, and we are going <laughs> to take just one layer at this point of time, and we are going to be peeling a lot on that. Okay, so yeah, peeling here, the onion back, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so here, when we look at let's say these suppliers, and typically when you look at automotive market, when you look at any other market where you are going to have these large companies and they typically have their own ecosystems the way they like to operate. For example, let's say if you go to Michigan, Michigan has a lot of companies, a lot of them are supplier to, let's say, your Ford or Ford's competitors. Uh, You know, oil and gas market is probably going to be similar as well because you have these large OEMs and they have 300,000 suppliers that are actually supplying them. And typically their business models are going to be fairly similar. So in the oil and gas market, do you have similar sort of business model? Do they operate more in the ecosystem? Because typically, in my experience, the ecosystem drives how their business model is going to be. Ecosystem drives how their supply chain processes are going to be. Ecosystem drives how their quality processes are going to be. So not a, a lot of people realize how important that ecosystem is in selecting the ERP system because that is what is going to dictate how your processes are going to be. Do you uh, experience similar when you are working in your space? It, it, it is very similar. And I think even the automotive um, analogy is, is very spot on because in, in our industry, in the oil and gas side of things, it's a, a very similar type of thing. So even, you know, all those suppliers at that same level um, and, you know, a lot of our customers that are in that space, they operate very in a very similar type of, you know, very similar type of fashion. They're going to have a lot of the same um, requirements, um, regardless of ERP, you know, yeah. it's just a, a business type of requirement. So when we're talking about things, like specifically, you know, our customers have to all the incoming materials that they're using in their manufacturing process. Yeah. They need traceability all the way through with that. So, you know, we've helped a lot of folks move from, you know, logging um, lot numbers as as whether it's steel or tubing is coming in for that um, manufacturing process. You know, logging those lot numbers not on a, in an Excel sheet, but getting that into into an ERP system. Yeah. You know, you you need the um, a lot of times in, in this industry too. You need the certification that you're not using any sort of conflict minerals um, yeah. in your in your process. Yeah. As well, and sometimes there's even you know restrictions as to what country your raw materials even can be coming from and in some instances so you know a lot of that comes down to tracking yeah traceability and and quality yeah. which are all things that are you know really independent of an erp system and really about your process and the erp helps you manage those so you know we've seen a lot of folks especially because they're they started out as very small you know maybe five people shops yeah you know one for instance a couple of guys that split off from an oil gas company started their business because they are very entrenched in that yeah you know and as that grows you start to need more management over that but the the rules are really the same between 
regardless of which component you're making, you, you still have those same requirements. You, you've got to, you know, do your compliance checks. You've got to do your first article inspection. Yeah. Um, and all of that becomes super important, regardless of, of what you're actually making for those suppliers. So, you know, that's been good in, in us being able to kind of help take these smaller startup organizations. You know, a lot of our clients too, you know, they've, they've maybe only been around five, less than 10 years even, um, as especially in this tier, folks have kind of broken off and become very specialized, you know, whether it's an electrical component, um, like we mentioned, or, or even tubing or, um, you know, refurbishing the, the big tubes that, that are used in that process. So a lot of the, the ideologies are the same. So yeah. it's really about the, the traceability, quality and standardization of your own own process there. Okay, amazing. So in my experience as well, I think the traceability quality are going to be some of the processes that are going to be really different across these industries. And some of the scenarios that you mentioned, I think they are going to be fairly unique to oil and gas. So now when we look at, you know, the newer technologies, people are always talking about AI machine learning. But, you know, the rocket science, in my experience, is always going to be in designing those skews and bombs. Uh, you know, that's the real rocket science, because if you cannot figure that out, then your forecasting is going to be off, your AI is going to be off, your machine learning is probably going to be off, right? So in this particular case, so what I am going to ask you is, let's do the walkthrough of these specific requirements that you are talking about. For example, let's say if we talk about traceability of the conflicting minerals that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So now this requirement is not going to be in the manufacturing. If a manufacturer who is serving for automotive, they are not going to know how to develop the processes to track this, to be able to please your customer who is asking you to track the, <laughs> the conflicting minerals. So let's do the walkthrough of the process, how this works from the ERP perspective, how you are going to track that, and is the default ERP functionality that is provided is going to be enough for you to be able to track this. Right. That, that's a great point. And, and really a lot of this traceability and when we talk about things like that, it actually starts on the on the vendor side of things. So you, you really start with with defining your process for approving a, a vendor, so to speak. And, and some yeah. of this will kind of offshoot a little bit into, you know, ISO certification type yeah. of type of things. But if we're just looking specifically at that process, you know, you've got a very defined process you go through in the selection of, of your suppliers. Yeah. And then as that intersects with the ERP, you need to be able to manage those suppliers um, and their ability to produce the documentation that you need, yeah. whether they're active, whether they're approved, how they were approved, and trace all of that on yeah. the on the side of the ERP system. You know, and, and just as a, another example with our connector company, that's something we help them go through and, and really do is, you know, is establish all those data points just starting at the vendor side to be able to say, okay, this is an approved vendor. We've checked off these boxes to say, yes, we've got the appropriate um, paperwork. We've, we've got the, um, you know, conflict minerals paperwork and, and all of that just starting there. So as you get into planning of materials, um, so you're saying, okay, I need to buy this particular um, raw material, this particular bar that I'm going to machine down into a, into a specific piece. Yeah. You know, you're starting with knowing, okay, here's the three suppliers that I should buy this from, that I okay. can buy this from, that I'm not just getting it from anyone. Yeah. And, and that's literally just the very kind of first step of, of that process. Because then as we're issuing a purchase order to that particular supplier, yeah. what's going to become very important is if we receive in those goods, 
that we're aligning the ERP system with our physical process of, okay, first we need to inspect that as it comes in yeah. and make sure there's no quality defects. A lot of times you're going to have a certain, um, you know, in certain types of products, you're going to have a tolerance that the um, inner diameter or outer diameter can be on a, a particular piece of material. So you're doing all these checks as, as it's coming in. And at the same time, and, and this kind of going back to what I said earlier as well, becomes super important when you're talking about lot number traceability. Because right. we get that in, you're going to have that identifier on that particular raw material yeah. to say, okay, here's where it came from. This is going to tie it back to all of the um, certification, the um, certificate of conformance that's coming in with that material. And we, again, want to align all of that with the ERP system. Yeah. So we have that stored in one place. Now, very honestly, this is sometimes too, as you're looking into systems, some ERP systems handle that whole quality process yeah. very well. Yeah. Some, you know, not as much, and you may need to look at um, kind of bolt-on or auxiliary products for that, yeah. especially as you get into, okay, if there is a defect in, in this piece of bar, you know, how am I going to handle that? Am I, right. you know, send... I need to put in like a non-conforming request with that, send that back as return to vendor. Again, keeping track, traceability aspect of it, of that lot information um, all the way through. So it's really about recording every piece of that information in in the ERP system. So at any any point in time in the future, you know, having got into the manufacturing um, yeah. or, or production side of things just yet, but you know, I need the ability to go back into the ERP and pull up by a specific um, product code, by a specific um, lot number, yeah. and see every piece of external documentation that went along with that. And, and that's where it becomes very important. And it's sort of a lot of times a gray area between process and ERP, because you've got a lot of things, certificates and, and whatnot, floating around outside of the ERP system that are in you know Google Drives or in filing cabinets. Yeah. And that's where you really gain that value is merging all of that information um, into, into your business system there. Yeah, very cool. So one of the things that we experience in uh, our space when we are talking to these companies, and as you know, David, I'm pretty sure when you are getting into the ERP system that has been there for a while or, you know, it was set up by somebody else, there are always going to be surprises. And some, sometimes these <laughs> surprises, surprises <laughs> that, are going to be That's an understatement for sure. <laughs> right? <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they are going to be funny, okay? And I'll, I'll tell you a couple of surprises that I personally see. I am always praying that, you know what, when I get into any implementation, I'm probably not going to see as many surprises, uh, especially let's say if a very sophisticated consultant has set up the system, maybe the OEM is actually behind the implementation. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, sometimes in four, uh, you know, your SAP, Oracle, Acumatica, they are doing their own implementations as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, customer's assumption is going to be that if you have the company that is actually developing the product, they would know what they are doing. But the major inconsistencies that we see in the market, typically, again, it is going to be in the foundational elements. The way your SKUs are structured, the way your customers are structured, the way your master data is set up. And typically, that is going to have a lot of implications in the downstream processes. So one of the examples, and again, I am going back to the SKU example. So you mentioned that, you know what, if you actually have the lot traceability, if you have your vendor structure set up, if you have your quality processes set up, 
if you are actually allocating your lot number when you are receiving that item then your assumption is going to be that you are going to be going to have the full traceability now let me throw a curveball here okay in your <laughs> <laughs> because what these people do is okay so once the implementation consultant is going to leave the team is actually trying to enter their data sometimes they need to make quick decisions and they don't really understand how the data uh, you know is related inside the erp system so what they might do and this is uh you know we have seen this very commonly mm-hmm. that there is not going to be some sort of correlation so sometimes they are tracking the data for example they might start selling using model number okay they will call a field called model number it's going to be a custom field model number in the erp and if you try to find the correlation of the model number with the item number it sort of has the loose correlation but not really <laughs> a real correlation so, not really, your yeah. so your traceability is not going to be there so have you seen similar experiences in your space when you are looking at these skews and they are not set up the right way the way they should have been set up and because of that you are going to lose the traceability is that common uh, in your engagements as well or do you see smooth right uh, i'll i'll be honest that's not quite as common and what is interesting kind of to your point is is in our industry you do see that more in in more established um type of companies which yeah. which you would sometimes think would be the opposite but you know to that end they're on a, a system that was set up 15 years ago maybe yeah. and you know through through attrition that becomes a lot more of an issue because different folks have come in and said okay well in the model number example okay we started selling it this way and now it would actually make more sense to convert it this way and then now these are very loosely coupled or we used to be very diligent and and trade you know tracking the lot numbers and and splitting lots up and now the person as they're receiving in just kind of throws a a number in the, the first lot number and and just really ha- hasn't followed the discipline quite as much and then those master data elements um become a lot messier so it's you really almost kind of take a different approach based on the the age of the company and sometimes the sophistication of the current um ERP system because uh, we've even worked with um a, a client coming off of QuickBooks for yeah. example which sounds you know a little crazy in that space but you know very small and and grew and and almost because of a lot of the limitations that are in QuickBooks they actually had the rest of their processes you know very very nailed down you know they weren't happening inside of the ERP system again going back to the spreadsheet example you know you've got logs of of lot numbers when it's used um handwritten on a, a work order okay i use these particular lot numbers and that's getting entered in um so those links and and traceability was was there just not in a structured fashion so you know in that instance we were able to help them take this kind of unstructured data um that's being used to to trace and move that into into a standardized system which which then obviously has a lot of great downstream effects you're not going to five different places to to figure out um when and where something something was used but yeah to, to your point that definitely is an issue especially when someone else has set up the system become a lot more mature in the system and and frankly it kind of takes a little bit of house cleaning and kind of yeah. taking a step back from you know from the software per se and and you know as, as we worked with some of these larger larger customers and say okay we're almost going to just look at the process and and let's reevaluate how how you've been doing this and let's refocus on getting that data clean cuz at the end of the day and whether it's oil and gas whether it's automotive regardless of the industry i think we, we we can all agree that you know that that data 
is the most important thing that that drives the rest of the business and and everything else is just a, a, a pillar to help hold that up so very interesting and i like your comment that you know the smaller companies are probably not going to have as much problem as the bigger companies because a lot of hands are actually touching the hands there but mm-hmm. you know the companies that we see when they are moving off of quickbooks as you know QuickBooks is an amazing ERP system. There's no question about that. But at the same time, it's a wild, wild west. You know, <laughs> you could do whatever. You oh, want. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now let's talk about housekeeping comment that you mentioned, right? When you are moving off of QuickBooks, obviously, people can be as creative as they like to be. There are very little rules. And obviously, the people who are moving off of, from QuickBooks to a decent size ERP system, it's going to be a real friction for them in terms of learning curve. Because they are going to feel, oh my goodness, it's so hard. Why is it so hard? <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> have you seen any sort of house cleaning scenarios? And I can almost guarantee that every single QuickBooks engagement that we see, we go through the exercise called ERP icing their data. And if you don't do the ERP icing these data set, then obviously it's going to be garbage in, garbage out. So give us some specific examples where you the company was moving, let's say, from QuickBooks, and then you have to convert that data into slightly more ERP terminology so that you can get all of that traceability. Your SKUs, your bombs are going to be aligned. It's not all over the place. Yeah, and and, and that's a, a great example. Um, and, and again, that's one of the, I, I'm, I'm going to steal that, by the way, the <laughs> ERP ising, um, your your data in the future here. And, and we definitely do a lot of that for those folks coming off yeah. of QuickBooks. So, you know, when you kind of get into those specific examples, uh, a lot of times in QuickBooks, so, you know, when you're when you're machining a certain part um, for use or, or you're doing assembly of a particular um, part, especially in these ones that are kind of engineered to the specifications of yeah. of what the final use is is going to be a lot of times there's a huge disconnect between the data that you have in quickbooks and how you actually make that part in, right. in real life and and with the customers we're working with that's always the biggest part of the ERPizing of the data yeah. is lining up the the real life okay I've got a um, you know I've got a bill of material I've, I'm producing this final product and I have all that information. Problem is I have all this information stored over here. Again, a lot of times in a spreadsheet, you know, here's the different steps that I have to go through. So whether I'm gonna do a, a molding step and then a, a assembly step on this particular component, it's all outside. And the information in the, let's say QuickBooks, for example, is very loosely coupled to yeah. that. You know, maybe the the top level item that we're selling is the same maybe there's some components on there usually not so it's it's generally a pretty large exercise in taking all of this external information getting that lined up into an accurate bill of material that's actually going to function for us in the in the erp system um, that's generally the with with these type of clients that's the biggest undertaking um, in that in that cleansing of of the data is, is getting the proper manufacturing process in the ERP, which at the end of the day is a lot of times why they've chosen to move away, you know, from from like a QuickBooks is because the operations are getting so large. And like I mentioned, we're working a lot of times with smaller folks that are growing and they've got to a point where this this whole external management system, it, it was fine when, you know, you were running just a handful of parts during the week, but now we're getting orders from, you know, from Halliburton or from other, you know, yeah. large places and um, we, we can't manage this anymore, you know, ex- externally. 
Yeah, very interesting. So, um, you know, we get these scenarios all the time as well, to be honest. And sometimes we are having very, very, very interesting conversations. So when you are going to go through the ERP icing process, obviously, uh, if they have not done it, or if they don't really have any sort of ERP experience in the past, in the team, obviously, it's going to be a little, uh, you know, shocking for them. And sometimes it could be very hard to teach them that, you know what, this requires the business process change. You need to change your business process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even if I actually try to mimic this process technically, it's not going to work. Number one, it will not feel natural. It's going to be over-engineered. I mean, we can do that. But, <laughs> For but sure. It's, 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 it's not going to work. Uh, so obviously, you need to change your business a little bit. And sometimes that comes across as a red flag. So I'll tell you one scenario where, you know, we have had a hard time in convincing the client, uh, to be honest. And I would like to know your perspective. You know, what would you say to them? Um, so, for example, let's say you have, they had created a lot of customizations. I mean, as you mm. know, in the ERP world, customizations are very common. If you're simply creating yeah. a field on a form, they, you know, no, no big deal. As long as that really does not impact my operational process, that does not change the business model, that does not change how I am processing the data and the information inside the ERP system. So in this particular case, the ERP system that they had underneath was complete misfit overall from the business model perspective. Now they had to somehow figure out, you know, how to make it fit for their business process. And that's probably mm -hmm. very common. We all know that salespeople sell, they walk away and then, you know, somebody has to figure out how to make it work. Right? Somebody else's problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, so here the implementation story. So here they were actually trying to fit a very large system that was designed for these large OEMs. For example, let's say if you're building a car, you are going mm -hmm. to have very different warranty flow. You are going to have very different service flow. Uh, and by the way, if you are simply selling a knife, uh, you know, for your kitchen, you know, that's a very different workflow. It's not going to be the right. same, right? The object hierarchy that you are going to get across the service flow, when the customer service need to process these transactions, it's going to be a very different workflow. So in this particular case, what they felt is, you know what, this is way too big for us. Quality, we are not going to use from the ERP system. We are going to design our own quality flow. Okay, so now they designed their own quality, very interesting <laughs> quality flow. That is complete. They hijacked one form that did not did not really have any sort of dependency, so they could easily hijack that form, and they called it you know something called customer complaints. You know, based on that, they were doing the RMA, the whole quality process. You know, they could somehow yeah, right. inside the ERP system. By the way, the, there was one problem: the, the quality is not affiliated or the correlated with your items. They designed their own items. <laughs> so now the correlation. Totally, it's, it's totally separate then at that point yeah <laughs> right and then you know we were trying to convince them that you know the whole workflow is hijacked and the quality actually whatever is going to touch the inventory and their goal was to synchronize the inventory across the system across the business so what would you say to this i mean see is quality going to have implication uh, are they heading in the right direction? Are they not heading in the right direction? Let's say if you were to consult with this business. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those cases you kind of have to wave, wave the flag and say, okay, time, time out. You know, we, <laughs> we really need to take a step back and, and look at this process, you know, because we've been in very similar situations where, where you come in and, and they've just customized the heck out of something, you know, to try to make it work for them. And, and sometimes what, what ends up happening too, is you, you leave kind of the standard functionality by the wayside and yeah. there's things in there that you really should have or could have leveraged as opposed to going out and, you know, in this case, building that whole quality system. I've, I've seen something very similar with, with folks that build a, a whole um, non-conformance request yeah. system totally outside of, you know, what was already really kind of available with, within the RP because there was a couple things they, they didn't like, 
you know, so they built a whole custom thing instead of doing little, little tweaks or, you know, to your point, changing their process a little bit. So, you know, from a consultative standpoint, that's when you come in and say, okay, let's take the software out of it all of a sudden, you know, let's take a step back and let's really review what this process looks like. Yeah. What, what do you want the inputs to be, the outputs to be, and what needs to happen to be touched in the interim? So, for example, you know, okay, that's fine if your quality process needs to happen in a vacuum and you don't care about it having any sort of implication on inventory. That sounds insane, but, you know, I, I guess if that's, you know, how, how you want to handle it, that's fine. But, you know, if, if you want these touch points, you know, if, if you want the, the quality inspections to be tied back and linked to a supplier, for example, when we do the disposition of the inventory, we want that to, you know, actually impact the inventory. We're going to need to take a really good look at this. And maybe this giant, crazy custom thing is the right way to go. Probably not. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that on the table for now, you know, and, and step back and say, okay, let's flow this out, process this out. And then let's take what the, you know, maybe your existing system does. And, you know, let's line that up understand where the gaps are and then attack those gaps. I think a lot of times and, you know, whether it's consultants fault, cause you know, nobody's at fault necessarily, <laughs> but you tend to, you tend to jump, you know, to building this monstrosity of a thing yeah. when maybe you needed four user defined fields added to a, a screen, it, you know, and, and that happens, happens a lot and you get down that rabbit hole. So, you know, as, as we work with folks, that's very common. And, you know, we like to take that step back, really evaluate the business process itself, independent of what the software is, and then say, hey, let's align the two. We're both yeah. going to compromise a little bit in this, perhaps. You might have to change your process a little bit. Maybe we'll tweak the software a little bit, and we'll, we'll all be happy at the, at the end, you know. And hopefully, hopefully everybody is going to be happy because in our experience, you know, typically when you are trying to convince these customers, sometimes it's very, very, very hard for them to be able to see the downstream implications. You know in your heart that there are going to be downstream implications. Sometimes, you know, as a consultant, you are simply saying, you know what, if you are going to listen to me, great. If not, I'm actually going to, you know, program it the way you like, and then we'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, later. So that's how the process goes typically. So now in this particular case, let's say if you are actually hijacking the whole quality module, now they have the perception that quality does not touch the inventory somehow. I don't know how that perception came. Okay, they care for the reporting for the quality because they are going to be asked by the customer. That customer is mm-hmm. asking, okay, and quality is going to ask for those reports. So that's why they have uh, you know developed all of these ad hoc processes inside the system. The, the whole reason why you have all of these custom fields is because you don't know the appropriate solution, the way it should have been configured in ERP. Obviously, you didn't hire the right consultant who has seen 200 implementations, try to do it your way, the way you, you could see. Uh, and then now the whole process is now the business model is <laughs> uh, Yeah, and, and you're, you're totally out of, of line with, with anything that makes any sense in, in some cases as, as you've gone gone down that down that path and again at the end of the day if it if it meets the requirements sometimes you just have to say okay if that's what you guys want that's that's <laughs> what we're going to do and and this will this will probably come out sounding a little bad but a, a line i use with a, a lot of our clients again regardless of, of industry is you know everybody's special but not necessarily unique right right you right. know yeah. um you know because why again challenge look for those pain points and say okay why why do you want to do it this very specific way when XYZ company, 25 other people don't necessarily 
do it that way. And, and that's, you know, that's part of that discussion and, and ultimately trying to get the best solution in place for somebody um, with everything they need at the, at the end of it. Okay, very cool. So we are going to dig a little bit deeper into the lot traceability because for your industry, especially for oil and gas, you know, if you don't have your lot traceability down, uh, obviously it's going to be significantly challenging. And for the other regulated industries, for for example, let's say if you are doing this in food and beverage or uh, pharma, obviously the lot traceability is going to be significantly important as well. So here, the question I'm going to ask you in terms of the lot traceability is going to be, we have seen scenarios where lot traceability is going to be challenging to implement as well, depending mm-hmm. upon how the processes are really set up for the customer. For example, let's say you typically are going to assign the lot number when you are going to be receiving the item in your uh, you know, inventory for the finished goods, right? Right. Uh, now, uh, you know, the if you are looking for the forward and backward traceability, if you need to track what is happening on the production floor, sometimes that could be challenging. Also, if you have a 3PL in the mix, let's say 3PL is storing your uh, you know, goods at their location and you are simply getting those goods as and when you need because you don't have as much warehouse capacity. Uh, you, know, you have the nearby 3PL where you are storing large amount of inventory you are getting, but uh, I don't know, uh, they are not going to be able to issue the lot number. So I am interested in knowing if you have seen any challenges related to lot traceability on the production floor, as well as when you have 3PL in the mix. It, I, I will say I'll, I'll kind of set 3PL over to the side for a second, because that does become, um, in, in my experience, at least exponentially more challenging right. um, than, than, than just on the floor. Because, you yeah. know, the way that that flow is generally going to work is is you're going to assign a lot number when to the raw material when that comes in. So, again, using like the bar stock yeah. um, example, then as I consume that in in my manufacturing process, I assign that particular lot to a particular job um, to machine or manufacture this certain this certain part. Yeah. Um, and then as the run of that part gets completed, and, and sometimes we, we have customers that are machining their own, um, you know, even washers or things like that. So yeah. those will still be assigned a particular lot number, which then later is going to get used and assigned in, you know, maybe the, the finished item that gets sold to the customer. So sometimes you've got three tiers of of lot traceability that's that's mandatory because down the road you may need to pull up a specific part especially as you get into warranty type of claims and, yeah. and things like that and trace that all the way back through to that raw material which you know uh, a lot of times what we help folks with is understanding how to transition that again from kind of this outside system into the the ERP because then it becomes very easy in that case to you know pull up, hey, I sold this to a customer, I pull this up, and now in a couple clicks, I can see all the way through to the the raw material that came in and, and the lot traceability all the way through that. It gets a little more interesting, um, you know, especially when you talk about if, if you maybe are, are sending something out for an outside process, even yeah. in that with, you know, maybe gold plating, for example, um, yeah. is, is pretty common. And or if you have that 3PL and you're, you're actually storing inventory out there because now all of a sudden someone else outside of your control is is in charge of, of what's happening with that. Now, perfect world, we, we've helped a lot of customers set up, you know, kind of more advanced integrations with these outside entities. So like 3PL, for example, yeah. um, you know, pseudo real time sending back whether it's a file with the lot information on it as far as what they they're using and sending out or consuming. And that's fantastic. Sometimes real world, again, that doesn't 
happen. And and there you, you sometimes very honestly have to take some some liberties with it. And a lot of times the suggestion we'll we'll make to folks there is is when you don't have direct control of that, you, you kind of switch to a, a FIFO type of system um, as inventory is getting taken from from that particular warehouse or that 3PL. Yeah. And so, okay, I know that, you know, 20 of these were consumed. Yeah. I just kind of have to assume that it was taken from, you know, the first lot in and, and moving on, on from there and consume it that way. That's not a perfect world scenario, but sometimes when you don't have all of the information, it gets you 98% of of the way there um, as far as how the consumption goes and how that lot still is, you know, going to be able to trace all the way back through the, the other thing we, we just did this kind of recently with a customer that had a similar issue where they're, you know, housing some of that inventory outside is really told them, you know, you can, because they, they had very strict requirements around, you know, we couldn't kind of, guess at it um, like you would in some of those cases you know he said you're, you're only going to send one one lot at a time yeah and as that gets consumed then you're 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 not going to split lots basically and and sometimes that comes back to a business process as opposed to how you know an erp system is is functioning yeah so very interesting so we are going to do a little bit of walkthrough of this process so let's say we spoke about the certificate of origin we talk about the the conformance certificate as well from the vendors and you are actually doing the vendor processes towards the you know front end of the process where you know you have to get this now you are storing all of this in the inventory Okay, mm-hmm. the, the goods may come from five different vendors. Okay, you are storing. Now, if you are actually going to use the FIFO, you don't know where that is coming from. So your raw materials are probably going to get mixed, right? So have you seen this? Do you agree with me, uh, disagree with me in terms of the mixing of the lots? So, you know, I, I think generally that becomes a mix of, you know, your your ERP system and your actual physical process. And, yeah. and I have seen that be, a, be an issue. And, and generally, a lot of times what, what we'll suggest to do with that is, you know, then you're, you're, you're physically keeping that split. So if, if I have a lot and, you know, obviously what type of material it comes, you know, if, if it's a little transistor, um, that's a different challenge and yeah. if it's a you know a huge piece of, of steel that we're using but in that case if it, if it is coming from different suppliers and you've got the the lots associated with it a lot of times suggest keeping that physically split um in where you're storing your raw materials and you know now we're getting in a little bit into to you know not necessarily um kanban or anything like that but from a, a physical application of you know i've got the lot number displayed on the particular bin location and i'm splitting that inventory between those bins just so from a human perspective it becomes very easy to know which one i'm supposed to supposed to pull to to use in our process so again that's where you know the human element of it kind of intersects with the um system element of it. it it's no good if i've you know i say okay well i've got five different lots from five different vendors in my erp system yeah but it's it's all thrown into one big bin and everything is mixed up you know then that that doesn't help me whatsoever <laughs> yeah it always gets very interesting in fact i mean see i have seen this scenario so let's say if we don't have 3pl obviously 3pl is going to be far more complicated uh, yeah um, but let's say if you don't even have 3pl even if you are doing a lot of jobs on the production floor so in the ideal world, if you are going to have the physical separation of each of the line, each of the job, and if each of the job is coming at each of these steps and that 
you are trying to receive in your ERP system. So you sort of mm. have the web, you can probably allocate the lot number and then you have the forward and backward traceability. Easy, right? But it doesn't yeah. get easy yeah. on the production floor. I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. So here is how the process goes. Typically, you know, the companies are not going to be adding as much manual overhead because they are trying to streamline their processes from the production floor perspective. So they are not going to be receiving the web as many times as we need from the data perspective, from the data quality perspective. So, and by the way, they are not going to do physical separation as well because you could have 5,000 jobs running, okay, on the production floor. And you are actually going to be assigning the lot number when you are going to receive the finished good. So now these jobs, there is a likelihood that these jobs could be mixed. So you don't really have the traceability. And, and yeah, and that, and that definitely becomes a challenge. And, and again, aligning that that real life aspect of it to it. And, and, you know, and that's where, you know, you do start looking at certain automation processes and getting into, you know, how can we implement scanning at the point of origin and, and kind of more advanced functionalities as well to, to try to mitigate that because it the biggest thing, whether it's oil and gas or really very honestly, any sort of manufacturing yeah. is, is aligning the, the data collection and management aspect of it with what really happens on, on the shop floor and getting them as close as possible, you know, getting the transactions to happen as close to the, the source as possible. Because anytime you collect this information that we need for the ERP, very honestly, every piece of data that you, you input, that's, that's another layer that somebody has to do on top of generally what is their actual job to, you know, I, I need to fab this part. Um, I don't really care so much about making sure that the computer's right. And honestly, that, that's one of those things. If, if you have a magic bullet to 100% solve that problem, I, I'd be all, all ears for it. And it really comes to, you know, organization to organization is, is, is aligning those processes to, to be able to capture that information at the right time and in the process and and not end up with this kind of just big jumbled up mess of stuff. And especially when that traceability is so, so important, you know. Yeah, I agree completely. Thank you so much. So that's it for today. Uh, Do you have any last minute closing thoughts or remarks for our listeners? No, definitely uh, appreciate the the time today and, and, um, you know, always love to to help folks um understand more about the erp and specifically if if you are in that kind of smaller um oil and gas sector how an erp system can can really help you get from mom and pop um so to speak you know to to that next level of of your organization okay amazing and my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be that you might be experiencing a lot of symptoms in your processes and if you are going to be as involved business as oil and gas, where you might lose your contract because you could not track uh, yeah. or trace your parts, there is a real risk that you are sitting on. So it is in your best interest to make sure that your physical and the digital world are going to be aligned and make sure you have that traceability figured out. On that note, David, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Excellent. Thank you very much. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about David and how you can leverage ERP to streamline and manage your manufacturing operations, head over to blazeitweb.com. It's B-L-A-Z-E-I-T. Web.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes 
including the interview with Sue Shaw, who shares her insights into how to succeed with large global rollouts for the oil and gas industry. Also, the interview with Clay Coleman, who discusses the importance of a QMS system and why it matters for manufacturing and distribution companies. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.